This is Deborah DeYoung. I'm a design and behavioural analyst, and this podcast is an opportunity for me to chat with industry colleagues discussing identity and behavioural design identity, or, in simple terms, who we are and how we prefer to surround ourselves. Whether you realise it or not, your environment affects you. It's not just about the aesthetics. It's where we discover how to understand ourselves, communicate better with the people in our worlds, understand how to create our own ideal homes and workplaces, and all build environments that are conducive to productivity and joy. Join me today's podcast as we dive a little deeper into this fascinating field. Well, good morning. It's an absolute pleasure this morning to have a very dear friend, Kelly Vandermeer, joining me for a podcast. How are you, Kelly? Lovely to see you. I'm great, Ev. How are you? It's great to be here. Absolutely. You're in lockdown. Are you coping? Um, look, I mean, if you compare this to to what's happening other in other places in the world, this is this is a picnic. So yeah, coping. You just need to just need to kind of get. Um, I think the, the the total view of the world as a, as a perspective, and everything's fine. Perspective, isn't it? Look, I, I guess um, when we are working from home and playing from home and doing what we do, it brings you down to trying to understand what it is we do well and to revel in that. So let me ask a question straight up. What is a designer? Um, so one can, well, so I think the, 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 the one is, can I unpack what a designer is not? Uh, and often, you know, designers are, 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 are seen as, um, often as decorators or, or artists. And those are distinctly different things. So, um, uh, and a designer, you know, artist is said often is the person that, or the, yeah, the person that allows us to see things we wouldn't ordinarily see, like painting a blade of grass in blue and, and yellow dots, for you to understand kind of the, the, the makeup of the green or whatever, that, that, that um, translation, um, often is that's that's kind of the role of an artist just to help us to see things we don't normally see um a designer has a, where design is currently not used correctly in most cases is they're kind of being slotted in the middle so somebody identifies a problem and somebody executes it in the end and the designer sits in the middle and so and it's kind of viewed as 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 as, as a consultant that is used to execute or, or collect these ideas into something that could work visually. And if that's a view, then it's inter interchangeable. And if it's interchangeable, it has no value or it has low value. So um, that's the current predicament. Um, and I guess a designer, then the best use of a designer and a designer should be somebody sitting right at the beginning to identify middle and end. And therefore designer is, somebody that solves a set of problems within a set of existing constraints um and i think yeah it, it, it's not more or less than that it's kind of that's the frame and you, talk, you talk about a set of problems right and well then we've i love the fact that you look at people's behavioral styles i mean what, what is what is behavioral style if you if you are looking at solving problems firstly what are those problems and i know that you play in the restaurant space and you know hotels and retail spaces so what are the problems as you see them well i mean i think we, we must look back to to 
um, to also how you unpack behavior um, post this, but but so I think there there's a lot a lot that can be boxed into kind of a hack almost and to short taking a shortcut to solving lots of issues. Um, and so I understand that design thinking allows one to observe. Um, and I like the idea of design thinking, but where the problem with it is that it's um, it's a very long way off and around and most people don't understand uh, the, the parts that kind of should be set aside as, as the norm and mm -hmm. then the parts that one should investigate further. So if we talk about the norm and we talk about how most people behave most of the time, um, that's something we must box and, and, and kind of that behavior is something ingrained from stone age you know we the the, the hard wiring hasn't hasn't changed and, and there's lots of, lots of behavioral psychologists that that will that, that support the thinking that we do certain things in certain specific ways and and that will continue to do that and and if we can box those things and so in our place now in our, in our kind of um, area of, of, of applying design, we try and we have tried in our, over 30 years of doing this, um, analyze, or not analyze even, we're not, we're not interested in, in analysis, just observing how people behave, specifically mm -hmm. specific environments, and, and to take that as a pattern and to design for those patterns. Um, and that creates uh, the, the biggest sense of comfort and enjoyment of a space always not sometimes it, it just works and so there's certain needles that you can move and other ones that you cannot move at all um but i guess that, that brings me kind of to you 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 always talk about those four uh, types and I'm, i always find that very interesting so so be good yeah, yeah look i mean you you're you're talking about um you know pat patterns and the the thing that you're you're alluding to and i'll, I'll talk about the four temperaments but the thing you're alluding to is Things such as we like to have something behind our back when we sit down, yeah. you know, that, that cocooning as you refer to it, that sense of nurture um, and protection from predators, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and from, from my perspective, from a, a behavioral analysis, and I'm a human behavioral analyst and interior designer by trade. So it's, it's where the two collide and I can see or observe within temperaments, when they walk into a room, for example, a goal setter is the driver, they're fast paced, they're successful, they're normally the CEOs, they're at the forefront. They want the most high profile table and chair in the space. So you'll see them gravitating towards the prestige of the space. Uh, you've got a lifestyle person. A lifestyle is all about um, the buoyancy. And, and we've got a mutual friend in Adrian Ramsey. He's the ethereal, uh, lifestyle temperament because he's gregarious and going and they're the ones moving their hands and their points so they they need a space where they can move around the table and go and speak to other people and interact and they're the ones not coping with lockdown because they get their energy like will will stewart's another one uh, who get their energy from being with people so in a restaurant they're going to go to you know a place where there's buoyancy and movement and color and excitement in the party and greet everybody along the way first absolutely they want, to, they want to air kiss or elbow bump at the moment you know um there's information you're the information quintessential information person because it's all about the detail you know you're you are happy to observe because you're taking in and digesting all of the detail and putting it and collating that information you're a collector of information 
And so, you know, you're happy to take a seat back in that restaurant and be in a quiet corner because you want to observe, calculate. Am I, well, am I correct in that observation? You know, that's, let's, let's say that you're correct. <laughs> There's and, lots of other things influencing that for me, but yes. There is, and 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 then um, there's stability, which is it's all about. I need it to be easygoing. These are, you know, they love biomimicry and biophilia, and they love natural fibres, and it's all about the ease of the situation. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to be the centre of attention. But I, I look at you, and um, let's just go there for a sec. If we're talking about the information side, and I love some of the designing you've done for Six Heads, and some of the more recent restaurants that you've done. Tell us. About about how you come up with a design based on behavioral design? Well, so the, the reality in commercial design, which is what we do, um, is that time is not your friend ever. And so you have to tick off the boxes that are there to, to, to um, that you know will kind of feed a commercial need um, and so there are things like um, there's a size of a kitchen, this size, not more. If it doesn't work, you know, uh, the, the back of house and the front of house doesn't work. So applying that front of house, the, the, the number of people that, that needs to sit down in the thing to make the, the business plan work. Um, and then the, the understanding. So we have eight typologies that we've applied and, and that we work to um, cuddling, cocooning, framing and, and so forth. And to make sure that from the front door to all parts of this of the space, um, you cater for those specific behaviours um, because they are universal in a, a Western kind of approach, um, which kind of where we're sitting. And um, and if you get those down, then then there are parts that you can move around. You can move. Um, and, and, and that's why I say you need to be part of that. We just finished a workshop um, now for a new restaurant and it's been only a week and a half, but daily, two hours, really hard um, with the chef, two chefs actually, um, with the COO, um, with the brand head uh, and us in unpacking the, the totality of experience because the designer doesn't make up the experience. A designer is a part of it, a little part. Uh, and, and that's why I say if the designer sits in the middle, you don't get the totality correct. So, so now we've looked at the way that um, people will be served, how they will be greeted. The, the perception of people of a value proposition, for example, like the friction that you have in a restaurant. A friction is, there's a couple of friction points. And, and I think Sydney, I see this a lot. It's a lot of uh, missteps because they don't understand. People haven't thought about this. Um, sorry, we had, we had a, a actually behavioral psychologist uh, on it as, as well, uh, Brian Steele. And um, so there's friction points. For example, people talk about shared plates, but the plate comes as a thing that needs to be cut in the middle of the table. So it creates friction, mm. tension, because somebody used to cut it. They didn't sign up for that now. So now, now. And who gets the bigger, smaller part? Um, there's issues like things that people cannot pronounce, like there's a wine. Don't be friendly with the wine names. You know, people most, the, 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 the choices here are too vast for people to actually understand everything on a wine list. They don't. Um, and so you're making it difficult. There's a friction point. Um, so for example, in this, in this particular case, we said we're gonna have four wines described not by the normal route. We're gonna call, like, I don't wanna reveal it now, but they're gonna be five sound bites. 
in each one will have just that simple short soundbite. You won't even know the wine. And they'll all be the same price, mm. for example. Um, so it's the friction point removed, because especially in certain um, areas that you go into, certain types of profile, more casual, they're shared bills. So thinking about the shared bill idea, think, thinking that right through, it creates another friction point now. We've, we've a group of six people. Do we split it in six? Do we, oh, I had the $20 um, glass of wine, that guy at the eighth, are we, are we? So if you remove all of those friction points, um, for example, in this particular thing, the enjoyment is so much more. So what I'm just trying to explain is that the, the, the experience, the total experience sits along a, a, an entire string that starts kind of before us and, 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 and after us. And so to move that needle, everybody needs to be involved. And so the final line or the final kind of uh, wrapping or decor or, or the positioning, you can move the needle there, but also not, not too far. And that's the part we tell the story. What's the story that you want to tell? Because every mm -hmm. single restaurant needs to have a compelling story. It is like you, like just us like conversing. It mm -hmm. needs to talk to you and it needs to have a personality. It's why we like people. We like people because they have a certain personality or, or we don't like them for something else. And it's the same with the restaurant. It needs to have a personality. It has a persona. And so that's, I think, the in not so short answer. <laughs> no, but it, look, it's a fascinating science. I think this is, we've had this conversation previously, the challenge of uh, designing for a restaurant or a space you know, finding finding the heartbeat. And it's not just a matter of, you know, I'm, I have this conversation with another friend who suggests that people, when when people say, what is a designer, what does a designer do? Well, you play with colored pencils, you know, you just, it's a coloring book and it's a cookie cutter and you just make things pretty. And it's actually not about making things pretty. It's about understanding the psychology behind human behavior exactly. and fun functionality, function over form. Yeah. And, but also, um, and I had this conversation with Will Stewart the other day in creating a little bit of theatre. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's all those touch points when you walk into a restaurant or a business or a hotel. It's it's all the theatre and the story surrounding the same, right? Exactly right. Look, Will is particularly um, good at that. Will, 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 the food is not secondary, but I'm going to... I don't insult him, but it's almost secondary. Like the way Will presents and his personality and... It's um, it's infectious, and 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 so the theatre in how he presents is 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 most of the fun. Um, but talking about you 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 were you were talking about, for example, colour, and and I think you talk about that quite a bit, and you, you love talking about colour. I and we both understand that um, um, where it affects space, but 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 I'd like to know a bit more. Your yeah, well, I look fundamentally. <clears throat> excuse me, fundamentally. Um, color psychology does come into play. I mean, I'm looking at your background now and blues, the blues are very inviting and welcoming. They're, they're, they're not irritating to the eye. If I had red on, it can be quite an irritating color. So you don't use red on mess. And I know that in a couple of your restaurants, you've used those beautiful red, um, what do you call them, the spirals? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, they demand attention. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to use your colour from a perspective of wisdom with where you place it exactly. in, a, in a restaurant. Is it that you want people's eyes to be distracted by it or do you need 
your the iris to be neutralized and for it to be a, a clear space and I was having this conversation with uh, Bernadette Jansen Bernadette's got a school of renovation and she said look she teaches people to renovate into retirement she said what tell us about colors in a house and I said look if you're renovating for sale you have to have a very neutral palette mm. and your color should only be in your decor when you're styling uh, whereas the, so that that's a very distinct demographic audience but you use color in a very strong way in restaurants tell me how you do that and why you do that well so it's interesting just to a little anecdote so i just recently read people you cannot change the way people view color people's perception their instinctive perception to color is the same and again it goes back to the way we're hardwired you can't change that and and, and people have attempted that that and, and our story is a uh, um, pre-World War One uh, in, in the States, I think I've told you the story where, where um, I don't know, it's not, not that well known, but most, most kids were white, um, purely because of economics. It was a cheap material to get. And boys and girls all wore dresses, by, by the way, because purely because, again, economics, one dress size fits a two-year-old, fits a six-year-old. So, um, And then at some point, um, uh, the big retail groups or they weren't really that big but a couple of guys at the time kind of decided to come together to kind of move the needle in terms of spend and they decided without understanding the kind of the way people view color that they were going to uh, pick, um, um, motivate parents to buy color coded items for the kids and so they decided on pink for for, for boys and blue for girls and it worked. They really pushed it hard. Um, it worked for a while, it, so much so that it became fashionable for men to wear pink suits. Wow. And somewhere though, in the 40s, post the Second uh, World War, the, it changed. And there's nothing that can be found anywhere written. It wasn't induced by nobody, kind of fictitiously. People just decided at the time it was more natural that it needed to flip the other way around. Now, Trading on thin ice in terms of pink for girls and blue for boys, but 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 politics aside, I mean you still see it the, when when the sex is revealed, the X X or the XY, um, the the it's the pink balloon and the blue balloon. You know people still associate associate with it. So color color is just that strong that that is you can't you can't change any of it. So uh, you know it's it's well known for an make people move faster you use red increase the rhythm of the music uh, more beats for lunch hour less beats for dinner um, um, if you want people to settle down stay a bit longer um, you use kind of autumn colors it's it just releases like yellow serotonin and 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 darker lights for example makes a disconnect between you and the food so people eat more and they feel freer especially ladies that the plates don't seem so overwhelming and they also look better in warmer lights. And so when you look better, you feel better, you enjoy more, you think less about it, you just enjoy the table. So, um, and so kind of lights, the, the color of the exact light, for example, like a warm yellow, like 2,700 Kelvins, those kind of things that really make the place warm and glowing. Uh, oh. Just part of the factors that make people enjoy the space more. We just, you know, it's to do with our um, um, circadian rhythm and, and so, those things cannot be avoided. They are what they are. You can't break it. Those are things that you cannot break. Um, 
But so it's a very holistic look. And, and I think the other thing that we need to take into consideration is colour memory. Uh, and, you know, we all have our own frame of reference and our own personal colour memory. So yellow, for some reason, I just cannot tolerate. I hate the colour yellow. It irritates me. I can't wear it. I don't like looking at it. But someone else might have a memory of a sunflower or you know, a, a, something in, in nature that yellow is this beautiful, buoyant, warm, inviting, sunny disposition colour, but I can't tolerate yellow. So we all gather our own colour memories as well. We have to cater for such a variety of uh, people's emotions. How do you manage to look after every demographic when you're creating a space and do you consider every demographic or every you know every every person has a memory every person has a temperament how do you navigate looking after all of those people in one space yeah but there's a difference color so there's always a funny question to ask somebody what color do you like it's not a simple question it's what color do you like in what context so um i don't know many people were like i've not seen many people wear wear yellow except the grand prix um you like wearing red and i love i love that line i'm going to ask you about that line in a minute um, but we all have in a space where we like in, in a restaurant space, you are first greeted by the space, but then everything happens at your table. You kind of not, every, the, the table setting is, is critical. And I've yet to see a table where, for example, there's a yellow plate. Yes, maybe some, some small time guy that's, that hasn't thought this through. And I say small time guy, I mean, this respect to somebody in a small time that, that, that's kind of got a lot of stuff together. But if you want people to really enjoy the, the timber, browns, um, deep black, black, even dark, almost black, um, whites, um, those are the things that, that need to live on a table, the things that show off food in the best way. You can't, um, you can't break, again, you can't break that rule. Um, it's not a breakable thing, um, and especially not in formal dining. So, so, in, in context, though, that the, the, they are obviously be influenced by the hardwiring, but then the other things are, are bringing um, exposure to, to uh, wealth, um, um, all those influences that creates tweaks, like you said, yellow um, for yourself. But some, somewhere something happened with you with, with red because you do like to wear red and you must <laughs> tell us more about that and you'll No, look, red, red is a great color. A blind people can feel color because color travels in waves, similar to sound waves. So a, a blind person put their hand over red and feel the heat because their sensitivities to it are heightened as opposed to ours. We don't feel it because there's other senses that aren't quite so heightened. But red, red is a great colour to wear because it increases your blood pressure. It makes you feel more energised. But red, red in an environment will make you hungry, angry, irritable. It will attract flies and make you want sex. So it's, it's a good colour to wear sometimes. <laughs> if you are decorating with it. Sorry. In what environments? In what environments, yeah. But but if you are designing with red, you've got to be careful that you don't overwhelm people yeah, because yeah. red could be very irritating. Yeah. Um, and, and and it can also be overpowering and overbearing. So, you know, it's, use, it's using, I mean, I don't know what, what rules you use with colour. Have you got a, a standard 
you know, the percentage of colour that you use in spaces? Well, it's been something so we busy with five guys. We can't we can't move that needle with them because it's a it's a it's a international brand with a thousand seven hundred stores, and they use red. And but they in the kind of QSR quick service restaurant space, and that red red is always the best colour to use there. Red with a combination of yellow and other power like a black. Uh, unashamedly red, like lots of red. It it works to to communicate the position that they have. Um, um, but so f uh, in restaurants, the you know we use variations of autumn colours, and we like the one that you refer to, which is meat and wine in in Adelaide. We had these um, big spiral curtains, they kind of ropes that were kind of braided, and there's a story behind that. In, in, in the storytelling of that specific restaurant, um, but it's just a touch of red um, as as a, as a as a way to kind of bookend the space. You can't overpower the space. The, the overwhelming things like uh, uh, again shades of autumn, black, uh, really the harshest of it, and and the browns and and, and natural fibers in between. Those always work, and you you can't. I. I uh, I don't know of any successful restaurant that's broken broken that. And when you say success, how do you want to measure success? Do you want to be a, a mission star or two or three hats? What do you want to have? One hat, whatever. Success is measured differently by different people. And and, and if you want to have a restaurant that makes money, um, first of all, stop chasing the hats and the, and the, and the, and the stars because that puts you in a box. Um, and that's the interesting thing that like we always say, and, and we get um, often for that because food is not our focus but but rest but but if you say um good is great good food is great great food is not good because great food do you have consistently great food is an almost impossibility how do you consistently have great food and 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 the reality is also in measure in the measurement of food as an enjoyment um, everything outside of it plays a role. If you stump your toe, if somebody stole your parking, if you come with the wrong mood into the restaurant, the food will be bad no matter what anybody does. Um, and so everything else around it, how the thing frames you, how you feel, that's why color is so important, lighting is so important, the way people address you is so important. Um, those are all factors that play to the to to totality of the experience. So um, color is just a bit of it. Look, we, we could talk, talk for this for days. Um, and I know that we will be doing some other events together, but also I think we should do some more podcasts around specific things like colour psychology, like designing for uh, human behaviour, spatial planning. Um, I think there's just there's just so many nuggets here, Kelly, that we can speak to that, that are fascinating for both of us, but also for next generational designers, because this may not necessarily be taught currently or, or to, the, to this degree, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't find that it's taught to this, this degree and not enough. There's touches on it and there's an awareness, for example, of design thinking, but I think there's, there's not the depth of, of teaching. If you, don't, if you don't follow the basics uh, of these uh, fundamentals first, it doesn't matter how you frame the space, it doesn't matter how you decorate it, therefore Pinterest is the biggest evil that ever happened because it doesn't talk about things like silent design or silent movers, like the height of a chair, so longer, shorter visit needs to be higher or lower. It's not all standard. People say, oh, everything's 450, it's not. Um, so, so there's so many of those subtleties that the silent design that moves how people perceive and feel a space. I mean, I love your, your thing about blind and, and, and red. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. So, so many of these things are are not um, 
are not, not are not obvious. In fact, most is not obvious. Um, and so those things aren't taught enough, 100%. Oh, I think we might need to take uh, take the chomp, chomp the bit there and um, potentially do some work together to be a little bit more informative uh, because, you know, the, the knowledge is power and, and it is a holistic design. It's not just um, a colouring book, right? There's a lot more that goes into creating great spaces, creating great businesses. I'm, I'm laughing because we're talking about the red and the and the yellow and the different the power those play. And in places like McDonald's, you know, it, they, they, it does make you hungry and happy. So it makes you want to come in and eat and, and get out. And But again, as I say, there's so much more that we can unpack and I look forward to doing more with you before we close perhaps you can tell us two things number one we've got an event coming up together tell me about that oh yes okay well um the kind of central theme is obviously designing for behavior from your point of view and, and from ours um and to to really kind of unpack what those in, in, a, in a bit more detail as you just said what all those things are to kind of watch out for in a bit more of a uh, organized format. So take people through the, the various steps and, and some examples of how this can be applied. I mean, as I said, we, we have those kind of eight rules that we apply um, um, as, as a, and we'll talk about that. There's very specific behaviors like sunflower framing, um, uh, cocooning, and, and there's very specific things that you, if you, you Break it, but at your own peril. Peril. It's 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 not going to um, help your your cause in any way. You and then the things that you can move. So I think that'll be kind of the, a focus of what we'll talk about. And then I think you are you're going to talk about the the why, right? More more of the yeah. Yeah, more more the why and why we need uh, why we need to surround ourselves and how we need to surround ourselves yeah. and and it, so fundamentally the event itself is the psychology of restaurant design and I think you're the guru in the space that's my conviction and I've seen your work and it's, I'm a, a great fan of your work you do a beautiful job and and at the end of the day you're you're saving people money because what you're doing is working out the science behind what they need in order to make their business successful. It's not just about creating a great space. It's about how, how you can build a great space, be in a great space, and also make money from a great space. So I'm really, really excited about that event. Second thing I need from you is to tell us how people can reach you. Okay, well, um, the the basis design partnership, it's, um, it's email is Kali, C-A-L-L-I-E, at dp-group.com.au. I think that'll probably be the best. We're in Lavender Bay in, in working. Come have a Beautiful. coffee. So we'll, we'll, we'll pop your website on the podcast as well, post-event. But I so look forward to this event with you. And thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you, Deborah. This is a fantastic chat. Definitely need, need, need to do this more often. Maybe Sounds like a plan. Online as well. Yeah, great. Sounds Thank like you. a plan. Have a wonderful day. And you. Thank you.